Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Well, this morning we are continuing in the series we've been doing called Hello, My Name Is. So when you came in today at your seat, you should have one of these name tags. Everybody get your name tag, find you a pen, write on there your name, slap that thing on your chest, just as we have done throughout this series. Hopefully that is being helpful to you. Isn't it cool to see God is growing our church and so many new faces that are coming and we want to put a name with the face. And so hopefully that has helped you as we have been doing this. We've been learning a lot about names in this series. We have discovered that names are kind of funny things, that we all have the name that our mom or our dad gave us when we were were born, the name that is on our driver's license or our birth certificate. But then how many know we also have some other names that maybe kind of we wear around on a little, maybe an invisible name tag. And sometimes those names come from things that have happened to us or things that people have said about us or thoughts that we've had about ourselves. And here's what we've uh, discovered in this series is that some of those things are good, those labels that we wear, but then sometimes, most of the time, we wear negative labels that weigh us down and hold us bound and keep us from being all that God wants us to be in our lives and that God wants to set you free. In fact, everybody look at your neighbor, just point at him and say, God wants to set you free. He wants to set us free from the labels that we wear. He wants to give us a new name. And that's what we have been doing in this series. We looked at a few uh, of the names that maybe we call ourselves the first week in the series. We said, hello, my name is Insecure. And how many know sometimes we feel a little insecure at times in our lives? And then we talked the second week about, hello, my name is Hurt. And we talked about what do we do when people have hurt us and how do we overcome that? Last week, we talked about, hello, my name is Tired, and I just challenged you. I said, go home, take a nap. How many of you took a nap this last week? A few of you. I'm going to give you the homework again today after service. Not during this sermon, but today, when you get home, go home and take a nap. I think that would really have the potential to change your life. Next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we got one more week in this series, and we're going to talk about something that I think is big for everybody, that so many people carry around a heaviness, that so many people feel discouraged. Next, we're going to talk about, hello, my name is Discouraged, and I'm telling you, if you've ever felt discouraged, or if you know someone who maybe is going through a discouraging time in their life, I'm just going to tell you, make sure that you are here, that you get them here next week, because I have a positive word for you that, man, you're going to leave encouraged next week. Hopefully hopefully you leave encouraged every single week. And today, here's what we're going to talk about is is something that, man, I think is a huge thing in my life and in many of your lives. I see it in this culture that we live in today. And that is this, hello, my name is mad. So everybody just look at your neighbor. Come on, just shake your hand and shake it real rough and real hard. Just give them a mad face today and just don't punch them. Just shake their hand, all right? And just tell them, hello, I'm mad. Come on, tell them, hello, Hello, I'm mad. Hello, I'm mad. You're not supposed to be laughing if you're mad, right? How many have noticed that this is a thing in our world today? How many have noticed? Everybody's mad. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's angry. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look. I mean, you just turn on the news 
and you see the things that are going on in the news and everybody's frustrated, upset, offended, mad about everything. You just scroll through your Facebook feed or your, or your social media and everybody's upset and everybody's doing their rant and all their, you know, they're taking their frustrations out in the comments. And boy, I hate to tell you, but it's probably about to get worse as we go into election season and all the politics and all of that kind of stuff that's going on. And then, man, you just drive down the road and people are like, man, that's my lane and I'm mad and all kinds of stuff. And they're just, you know, telling you you're number one and all that kind of, how many know what I'm saying? Everybody in the world seems to be mad, offended, angry, frustrated, violence, all this stuff is everywhere that we look. And here's the deal today is that we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, the Bible actually predicted that this would happen in our day. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 24. And in this passage, the disciples are are asking Jesus, what's it going to be like in the last days? What's it going to be like in the end times? Tell us some of the signs. And so Jesus starts to tell them some of the signs that that we're going to see. He says, hey, there's going to be war and there's going to be rumors about war and there's going to be famine and there's going to be earthquakes earthquakes and natural disasters and all kinds of deception and how many would agree with me that we see all of this stuff happening in our world today and then Jesus says hey one of the signs that's going to happen in that day is one that maybe you might not even recognize as an end times sign but he says here's what's going to happen in verse number 10 he says and then many will be what everybody say this word out loud many will be offended and many will betray each other and will hate one another. And they will be, there will be many false prophets that will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. He says, hey guys, when you start seeing this happen, this is a sign that we are in the end times. I would say it's a sign that we see in our world today that many are offended. Many are angry many are mad the love of many people has grown cold in fact it's to such a way in our society today that you can't say anything without offending somebody how many have seen that to be true right in fact I thought I just want to help you out because I know people are so easily offended today I thought I would help you to make sure that in your conversations and with your friends and things like that like you don't want to accidentally offend somebody so I came up with a few kind of you know kind of political correct ways to say some things that might come up in just normal conversations and so hopefully this will help you in your relationships how many of you have somebody in your family who uh, gets lost all the time they have a hard time finding their way or whatever well you can't just tell them hey you get lost all the time because they might be offended by that so let me help you out here's what you have to say you have to say that person investigates alternative destinations (laughs) politically correct right or maybe some of you, maybe you know somebody, maybe it's your dad or somebody in your family that, uh, you know, is kind of getting thin on the top. Well, you can't just say they're bald. That, wouldn't, that would be offensive, right? So here's what you have to say. He's follically challenged, okay, right? Or maybe you know someone who is not really quite, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of having struggles. They're kind of, you know, maybe they're kind of stupid or not really very smart. But you can't just say you're stupid. So here's what you have to say so that you don't offend people. Here's what you have to say. You have to say he suffers from minimal cranial development, okay? Okay. 
Y'all get that down. Make sure you got that. Or maybe you know somebody who eats a lot, but you can't just say like, you know, they, they eat like a horse. That would offend them. So here's what you have to say. They suffer from reverse bulimia. Come on. That's good right there. Or this one, maybe you know someone in your family that is a bad dancer, but you can't just say, like, you're a bad dancer. So here's what you have to say. He or she is overly Caucasian. (laughs) Come on, that's funny. That's funny right there. I don't even care. Or maybe you know someone who thinks they're funny, and they're not very funny, and their jokes are dad jokes, but you wouldn't want to offend them by saying that, so you would just have to say, he's a pastor. You know, that's just what you say. That's what you say. And how many have noticed, that's funny, right? That's funny, and yet it's not. Because the truth is, like, this is the way we live. Everybody's offended all the time. Mad about everything. Doesn't matter what you say or what you do, you're going to offend someone. And it would be one thing if it was just in the world. But here's the deal, guys. It's not just in the world. It's in the church. It's among the Christians. In fact, in this passage, this is what you're going to see that actually Jesus was talking about. He says, in this passage, he says, the love of most will grow cold. Because of their offense, their love will grow cold. And it's interesting the word that he uses for love there in the, in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was originally written in. There were more words than we have in our English language. We have the word love and it can mean lots of different things, but they had different words for love. And one of the, one of the Greek words for love was the word phileo. Everybody say phileo. Phileo, and it was the word that basically meant like brotherly love, like the love I would have for a friend. It was a very kind of conditional love, like if you love me, I'll love you back, or if you do good for me, then I'll do good back for you. And you would think in this one, he would say the phileo of many will grow cold, but that's not the word that he uses. He uses instead another Greek word for love, and it's the word agape. Everybody say agape. Agape and agape is a different kind of love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that is used to describe the love that God has for us and the love that God wants to have among the body of Christ, among the brothers and sisters of Christ. And here's what he says He says, The love of most, the agape love, the love he's talking about, the body of Christ, among the body of Christ, that many will be offended, even in the church. And because of their offense, their love love for each other and their love for God will begin to grow cold. And boy, don't we see that happen. Even in the church, haven't I seen it in the years that I have been in full-time ministry as I've tried to love people and pastor people, that people who are at one time serving God and in love with God and in love with the church and in love with the body of Christ, but something happens and they get offended and they became, become hurt and they become angry. And because of that offense, their love for God and their love for the church and their love for the body of Christ begins to grow cold. And at one time they were here every Sunday and now you go, where? Where are they? It's all because of this anger, this offense that we take. In fact, it plays out in a lot of different ways in our lives. I just thought of three that I think we could talk about today. If you're taking notes, you can write the first one down is that here's how it plays out is that I'm mad at my brother. Everybody say mad at my brother. 
mad at my brother. How many of you have a brother in the house? Come on, you have, you have brothers? How many of you have ever been mad at your brother before, right? I'm mad at my brother. And this is kind of the way this plays out is that someone in your family, someone that you know, someone that you love, someone that you are close to, something happens. And because of that, there is this, there is this offense that comes to kind of bring division among the family. In fact, this is something that we see from the very beginning. I was studying this this week and I was thinking about from the very beginning, the very first ever brothers on this planet couldn't get along. I mean, you go back and study it in the book of Genesis. You remember the first two brothers, Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel both made a sacrifice to the Lord. And for various reasons that you can, that you can study more in depth, God, well, he was able to accept Abel's uh, sacrifice, but he didn't accept Cain's sacrifice. And because of that, Cain became so angry at his brother. You go and read it, that he lashed out at his brother and struck his brother down and killed him because of his anger. And when you get right down to the roots of Cain's anger, you know what I think it was? Jealousy in his heart. God accepted his, but didn't accept mine. And isn't this the reason for so many offenses in our families, in our church, in our world today? When we get right down to it, it's jealousy. They got the job and I didn't. They got the position and I didn't. Mom and dad gave them the attention that I really wanted and didn't give it to me. Come on, they got the girl and I didn't get the girl. They got the looks or the talent or whatever it is that I wanted that I didn't get that they got. And because of that, I'm angry and I'm hurt and I'm offended and it all comes from this root of jealousy and competition in our relationships. We see it again with another set of brothers as you study through the book of Genesis. These other two guys who were actually twin brothers, uh, two guys named Jacob and Esau. And they were twins and yet Jacob was the one who was born second. And in that culture, in those days, there was a special birthright, a special blessing that the firstborn would get. And so Esau would get this firstborn blessing and Jacob didn't like that. He was jealous of that and frustrated about that. And so Jacob was kind of a, He's kind of a sneaky little guy. He's kind of, kind of shifty and kind of tricky. And so in a couple of different instances, he tricks his brother out of his birthright and then later out of the, the right hand, the firstborn blessing. And Esau is mad and angry about it. In fact, he carries this around for years and years and years and it actually hinders his life from having all the blessing that God really wanted for him. And I thought, isn't that the way many people live in our society today. Where does the offense come from? Same place it came from for Esau. It's rooted in hurt. Someone hurt me. Someone did something. Someone mistreated me. Someone wronged me. Someone didn't treat me the way that I thought that they should treat me. And so now I'm hurt and, I'm, and that hurt begins to play out in anger and that anger begins to, be, begins to be aimed at my brother or maybe not just my brother, but even other people that are around me. We see another story in the New Testament. Jesus tells a story about this dad who had two sons. 
And the, the youngest son came to the dad and said, I want my inheritance now. And, and so the dad gave him the inheritance, even though it broke his heart. And the young son went off to a foreign country and he began to waste all of the inheritance. He winds up broke and, and no friends and winds up eating the same thing that the pigs are eating. And he thinks, if I can just come home, then maybe at least I'll, I'll be a servant. I'll be able to eat. And so he comes home and, and to his surprise, the father is there to welcome him and love him and bring him in as his son. He says, throw a big party because my son has has returned home, but there was a brother, the older brother in the story, and he was offended. He was mad. He began to say, well, hey, where's he been the whole time? I've been here the whole time. I've done what I was supposed to do. I've been being faithful in the father's house, and you didn't throw me a party, but then my little brat, little brother comes home, and you throw him a party, and really rooted in the anger that he felt was personal pride. And isn't that where we get offended so many times? Our pride. Maybe even within the house of God. I've been here. I've been serving. I've been doing what's right. And others got what I thought that I deserved. And it separates us because of our offense and because of our anger. Mad at my brother. Here's another one. Write this one down. Mad at my sister. Everybody say mad at my sister. How many of you have a sister? Come on. How many of you ever been mad at your sister before? I got a sister. She's four years younger than me. I've been mad at her a whole lot of times. She's been mad at me a whole lot of times too. And we find another story that's kind of this, this, this anger or this offense between these two sisters, a, a sister named Mary and a sister named Martha. In fact, let me just set the story up for you. It's found in Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at it in just a minute. And, and here's what's happening is Jesus is coming over to Mary and Martha's house and they're fixing a big, a big party, a big dinner for Jesus. And so Martha is running around doing what you would do. How many of you, if Jesus was coming to your house, you'd probably want your house to be perfect, right? All clean, everything, everything looking good, look like it's been designed by Chip and Joe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want it to be all the food, Martha Stewart, maybe that's where Martha Stewart got her name, Martha in the story, I don't know. I want everything to be perfect because Jesus is coming over, so she's slaving in the kitchen, and Mary decides, hey, I ain't helping, I'm just going to sit down at Jesus' feet, and look what happens in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he was teaching but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing she came to Jesus and said look what she says everybody say it out loud Lord doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits over there and does nothing while I'm doing all the work tell her to come in here and help me but the Lord said to her my dear Martha You're worried and upset over all these details. And there's only one thing that's worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Look at this. Where was the source of this offense between these sisters? Right in that one little line. Doesn't it seem unfair? Like I'm doing all the work and she's not helping me. And I thought she should help me. Come on, isn't this where offense usually comes from? It usually comes from our expectations. I thought they should help me. I thought they should be there. I thought they should do something, but they didn't do it. I thought that my life group leader should have been there when my kid was going into surgery, even though I didn't tell him my kid was going into surgery or that I even wanted him to be there, but they weren't there. And now I'm frustrated. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? I, I, I texted my wife and she didn't text me back within five minutes. And so now I'm mad and frustrated at her, right? 
I thought that that friend was gonna be there for me, but I didn't really tell them I was going through a struggle and then they weren't there for me and they didn't meet my expectation that I had set for our, our relationship and because they didn't meet the expectation, now I'm angry and hurt and frustrated and, and, and I'm mad at them, offended by them. I'm offended at my mom because she didn't or my dad because they didn't or my pastor because they didn't or my friend or my boss or my coworker or whatever it is and those are the sources of our offense, but maybe just maybe here today, maybe it's not your mom or your dad or your pastor or your friend or your life group leader. Maybe it's your expectations that are the real problem. I expected something, but then I didn't get what I expected. It's the expectation gap. How many remember we've talked about this before, the expectation gap? For those of you that are new, I'm going to just tell you what it is. For the rest of you, I'm going to tell you again because we need to be reminded, right? It's called the expectation gap. Here's what it is. When what I expect doesn't line up with what I actually experience, guess what there is in the middle? There is a gap. And what do you think fills up that gap? Frustration, anger, offense, right? I mean, just, just here's an illustration. You go to, the, go to eat after church today. You were expecting your bill to be $8, but then when they brought the bill to you, it was $12 because they charged you for refills and extra ranch dressing. How many know there's a gap? How many know what I'm saying? What I thought I was going to get and what I actually got. And in that gap, what's going to happen? You're going to be frustrated. How how many ladies in the house, you know what I'm talking about? Your husband tells you you're going to be home. He's going to be home at 6, but he doesn't get home till 7.30 and doesn't call to let you know. How many know there's a gap, right? Come on. And what has filled up that hour and a half gap for all you ladies in the house? Anger, frustration, offense. I'm mad about that. Some of you came to church. You were expecting the sermon to be 30 minutes long, but it's 45 minutes long, and there's a gap. Come on. You're frustrated. No, actually, you're happy because the preaching's so good around here. You just got an extra 15 minutes. Come on. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. For most of us, here's the reason for our offense. We have certain expectations that we have of people and situations and things. And then when those expectations aren't met, there's offense, there's anger, there's frustration in the middle. And sometimes, here's the deal, sometimes it's simply because we have unexpressed expectations. It's not that we shouldn't have that expectation. It's just that we didn't tell the person. And how in the world is a person going to read your mind and know what you expect unless you tell them? Come on, right? Sometimes it's because we have unmet expectations. Sometimes it's because we have unmanaged expectations. We've got to manage what we're thinking and the expectations we're putting on other people. Sometimes, come on, let's just be real. It's because we have unrealistic expectations of how people should react and how they should treat us. And in the midst of all of that, mad at my brother because, man, I got pride in my heart or I got jealousy or I've been hurt. Mad at my sister because I got all these expectations. And where does it lead? It leads to this last one. If you're taking notes, some of you are even here today and here's what you are. You're mad at God. Mad at God, because you had certain expectations that you had of how your relationship with God was going to go. Oh, man, if I come to church and if I give my life to Jesus, then that means everything's going to be good and there's going to be no problems. And from now on, it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to be wonderful and great. And then when things aren't wonderful and great and you have a situation or a struggle or you face a storm, you're frustrated and you're mad at God because you expected something that wasn't even realistic in the first place. In fact, Jesus said it like this, in this world, you will have trouble. If you come to me, it's not going to take away all of your trouble, but some of us are frustrated because we put these expectations on how things are going to go with God and then when they don't go that way we're we're mad some of you are mad at God today because someone has hurt you 
maybe another Christian, someone that you loved or went to church with, and you think, if they're a Christian and they did what they did, then how can I trust God if I can't trust Christians? Or if God really loves me, then why would he allow that person in my life to hurt me in such a way? And sometimes we take our anger and we put it on, on God. We project it onto him for things that have happened in our life. Some of you, you, you prayed and you asked God to do something and he didn't answer the prayer in the way that you thought that he should answer it. He didn't come through in the timing that you thought that he should come through. And so now you're frustrated, you're mad. In fact, it reminds me of another story of Mary and Martha. They had another brother, his name was Lazarus. Lazarus got sick, really sick. He was about to die. And Martha sent for Jesus because she knew if Jesus could just come, that Jesus would heal him and he wouldn't die. And so she sent for Jesus and Jesus got the word, but Jesus didn't come immediately. In fact, Jesus took two more days going around the countryside before he came to where Lazarus was. And when he finally got to where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were, Lazarus had already died. And Martha is frustrated. She's offended. She's mad. In fact, we see it in this, in this passage in, in the book of John. She says, Jesus, if you would have just been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Like, Jesus, I called for you. I prayed. And you didn't show up. And because you didn't show up, the situation didn't change. Come on, anybody ever been there before? God, where were you at? Your timing stinks. I don't like the way you answered my prayer. And so there's this offense in your, in your heart about, about God and this anger towards him because of things that maybe have, have happened, ex- expectations you put on him. In fact, it reminds me of this passage that David writes in the Psalms. In Psalm 73, I won't read the whole thing because it's kind of lengthy, but I'll just kind of tell you what's happening. David's kind of having a pity party. Anybody ever pit, had a pity party before? David, he's frustrated, he's mad. He's complaining to God about some things because he begins to look around and he sees, hey God, I'm doing the right thing and I'm struggling. And then I see people over here that are doing all kinds of bad stuff in their life. It seems to be good. How many ever had that complaint before? And so he begins to complain to God. And look what he says in verse number two of Psalm 73. He says, I almost stopped believing. I'd almost lost my faith and here's why. Because I was jealous of the proud people. I saw wicked people doing well. They're not suffering and they're healthy and strong and they don't have troubles like the rest of us and they don't have problems like other people. In other words, he goes, God, this ain't fair. I don't like what I'm seeing. And he's frustrated, angry, mad at God, even to the point where he says, I almost stopped believing. I almost gave up on the faith. In fact, some of you, maybe that's you. Even in this room today, you showed up saying, this is the last time if God doesn't do something, I'm giving up because it doesn't seem right that I'm going through all of this stuff that's happening in my life. God, where are you? In the middle of that, I'm mad, I'm offended, I'm angry. And that's where David was until something happened. In fact, you read back, read on down a couple more verses. You see what he says in verse 16. He says, I tried to understand it all. I mean, have you ever tried to understand that before? It doesn't make sense. I tried to figure it out, but it was too hard for me to see until, everybody say until, until what happened? I went into the temple of God. Then I understood what happened to him. In other words, he goes, I had a revelation of God. 
I had, a, I had a revelation in my spirit, in the presence of God, and suddenly God began to show me. I was thinking, this is not fair, and I don't like it, and it doesn't make sense, and I'm mad at my brother, mad at my sister, and mad at God because of all this situation until I got into the presence of God. And then when I got in the presence of God, suddenly God began to take the blinders off, and I began to see things the way that they really are, and I began to understand that, hey, yes, sometimes life is not fair, but all the time God is faithful some of you that's what you need to hear today yeah hey man sometimes it's not fair sometimes a brother or a sister or someone you went to church with hurts you lets you down disappoints you sometimes it seems like God is letting you down because we can't truly understand it with our natural minds but when we have an experience with the presence of God Begin to reveal, he reveals his love for us again. We begin to understand, yeah, sometimes life's not fair, but God is always faithful. And that's some of you here today. In fact, some of you are going, man, I, I'm carrying around this anger, this resentment, this bitterness. I, I've got this offense that's just everywhere that I go. I can't seem to shake it. I don't know what to do about it. What do I do? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. I, I think it can all be summed up in one word. One word, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you that one word in just a moment. And then what I think is gonna happen is that God's gonna begin to show you, reveal you some things in his presence. And we're gonna have our prayer team at the sides of, both sides of the auditorium. They've been praying for you all week for this very subject that God would set some of you free from some anger and some offense and some things in your life. And I believe you're gonna take a step forward and you're gonna come and you're gonna get set free and it's gonna be all because of this one thing, one word that will change it all. You ready? I don't think you're ready. You ready? Come on, here it is. Surrender. That's where it all starts. Because see, here's what we do. Is we're constantly fighting for our rights. We live in a, a world that's an entitled, especially in America, like I have the right, the right to life and liberty and happiness and the right for things to go good in my life the way that I want them to go. And I'm constantly fighting for my rights. And when I don't get what I think I deserve or what I think that I have a right to, then what happens? I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm offended. Somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm like, that was my lane. I have a right to that lane. And so I'm mad because of what they did. Come on, right? Somebody gets the job and I didn't get the job. And I think that was my job. I was entitled to that job. And so now I'm mad because I didn't get the job. Come on, you know what I'm talking about in life. And, and it, this is what happens in relationships. This is what happens when things don't go the way we thought that they should go. We think, oh, God promised me I'd have all good stuff and things would be great and I have a right to have my dream come through true in my life and when it doesn't come true then I'm mad and I'm offended and I'm angry at people and at God and it all comes down to this one thing we're fighting for our right to be offended but if you want to overcome offense here's what you have to do surrender your right if you want to get over it, here's what you've got to do. You've got to surrender it. You've got to give it to God. In fact, this is what happens when we come to God. Like, we lay our lives down and give it to him. I think about Paul. He wrote a book, the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is known for being a book about joy. Now, when you really understand the story behind the way that he wrote the book, you've got to understand that it shouldn't have been a book about joy. I mean, when you think, Paul, he, he had a dream for his life, and what he thought it would look like is that once he got saved, he thought, I'm going to preach to all these people. I'm going to go to Rome, and I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm sure he had it in his mind, I'm going to stand in the Colosseum, and all these thousands of people are going to watch me. 
as I preach and then life didn't go the way that he thought that it was going to go. Yes, he went to Rome and yes, he stood in the Colosseum, but not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And how many know that Paul had a right in that moment to be frustrated at people and at God and the situation and everything else? Because God, I went through those beatings and I was shipwrecked and I went through all of that stuff so that I could somehow have the dream you placed in my heart. And then when the dream comes to my life, it's not the way that I dreamed it. Now I'm a prisoner. And wouldn't you think he'd be writing a book about how he was frustrated and mad, but instead he wrote a book about joy. How could he have joy when he should have been mad? Well, we see it right there in the passage. He says, but I've already decided. I've laid down my life. I am being poured out like a drink offering. He says it again in Galatians chapter two. He says, I am, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me. What was he saying? He was saying, I already decided. I've surrendered my life. I've given up my rights. In fact, I no longer live. Christ lives inside of me. I died. And guess what, guys? Dead people don't have rights. And some of us are fighting so hard for our rights. My right to be offended. But when you came to Jesus, let me just tell you something. You laid down your rights. In fact, Jesus said it like this. If you're going to follow me, here's what you do. You lay down your life and you take up a cross and you follow after me. This is the way to joy, the way to joy, the way to to overcome offenses and being angry and mad and all that is to decide in your heart, like, I don't have a right to be mad anymore because I died in Christ. He gave his life for me. I I didn't deserve anything but death, but he gave me his life. And so now when someone doesn't meet my expectations or when things don't go the way that I wanted them to go or when life is not going great and I'm fighting because I think this is the way it ought to be, we come to a realization, hey, I laid all that down when I came to Jesus. He gave his life for me and now I'm giving my life for him. And there's a joy that begins to come in our lives when all of a sudden I don't have to be mad at the person because I gave up my right to be offended. I don't have to fight for that job or that position or for that relationship or for that perfect life because I gave all of that up when I came to Christ. And here's the good news today, guys, is all that stuff's temporary anyway. And one day we're gonna get everything that he has promised to us, but it may not be on this planet. You can have joy in the midst of the struggles and the trials and all that when you give up your right to be angry and you say, God, whatever happens, I've been crucified with you. I no longer live, but Christ now lives inside of me.